Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Leader and Kentucky.com. Thanks for joining the podcast here. It is Thursday, December the 17th, 2020. On today's podcast, we're going to preview the Kentucky-North Carolina basketball game set for Saturday, 2 p.m. start as part of the CBS Sports Classic. Uh, as you uh, probably uh, already know, Kentucky was supposed to play UCLA in the CBS Sports Classic. We had a switch earlier in the week, and now Kentucky will play North Carolina instead of UCLA. So to get a scouting report on North Carolina, I talked to C.L. Brown of the Raleigh News and Observer. You may know C.L. from his days at the Courier-Journal. He also wrote for uh, The Athletic and for ESPN. He's now in Raleigh covering the heels. Uh, we talked to CL about how North Carolina has played so far. The Tar Heels are four and two coming into the game on Saturday. And to talk about Kentucky, I talked with my friend and colleague from the Arrow Leader, UK basketball beat writer Jerry Tipton. Uh, we talked about the Wildcats one and four start and what the, the prospects are for Kentucky uh, heading into this game. This is the fourth podcast we've done this week. Earlier in the week, we did I talked with Mark Story about Kentucky's loss to Notre Dame, and also uh, we talked some UK football. Uh, then when UK hired a offensive UK football hired an offensive coordinator Liam Cohen the assistant quarterbacks coach with the Los Angeles Rams I did a podcast where I talked with Kevin Modesti uh, of the LA Times about the Rams offense and what UK's offense might look uh, look like we also on that same podcast you can hear Liam Cohen uh, in his meeting with the media talking about taking the Kentucky job uh, his f- offensive philosophy and that sort of thing if you want to check that out and also uh, we did a podcast with Jared Peck, the uh, preps writer for the Herald Leader, as the Kentucky State Football Championships start on Friday at Kroger Field. They run Friday and Saturday. So check out all those podcasts as well. But right now we're going to talk basketball, Kentucky and North Carolina, and we're going to start off with C.L. Brown of the Raleigh News and Observer talking North Carolina, and then we'll have Jerry Tipton of the Herald Leader talking Kentucky. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is C.L. Brown, who covers North Carolina for the Raleigh News and Observer. And if that name sounds familiar, it should, because we've known C.L. a long time from back from his days with The Courier, when he's with The Courier-Journal. He's made a couple of stops since then, but now he's at Raleigh covering North Carolina. And how's it going, C.L.? Hey, I'm doing well, John. I appreciate you having me on um, this, this impromptu scheduled this is kind of like if I just called you up and was like, let's go play on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I didn't expect to be talking to you. I expect to be talking to somebody from UCLA for this podcast. Uh, kind of a late-minute switch. How big of a surprise was it on the North Carolina end that you're playing Kentucky instead of Ohio State? It, it was it was a bad surprise for Roy <laughs> Williams. I, I don't think yeah. he liked <laughs> I don't think he liked the change at, at this timing. Like I think he felt like uh, they could have done this sooner right. if it was going to be done, and because uh, it's not like anybody changed their COVID protocols this week, right. <laughs> you know. So, That's right. yeah, and they had already switched times for whatever reason initially because Carolina Ohio State was going to be at two first, then they moved it back to the second game of the doubleheader. Then now this switch, not that two hours is that big of a difference, but still, it's, it's, still, it's yeah. the principle, yeah. Right, right, and scheduling and so forth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, what about North Carolina? Uh, to, you know, I know coming off of a very unusual season for North Carolina last year. Uh, obviously, they be- seem to be better this year. What What were kind of the expectations for this team going into this season? Well, I think it was uh, Roy Williams was was dipping into the John Calipari territory with six new freshmen 
a, a freshman backcourt starting for our, for the first time together since uh, since Ty Lawson and Wayne Ellington back in 2006 and 2007 for Carolina. So very different. Um, of course, coming off of the season they had last year, nobody wanted to see that again, of course. But it, it's hard to preach patience to fans of, of the Carolinas and Kentuckys of the world. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they wanted Caleb Love is, is freshman point guard. High, he was the highest rated of this class. And the class overall, I think, was number three uh, nationally. And R.J. Davis, that's the other. He mainly plays off the ball. But when Caleb's out of the game, he'll be point guard primarily uh, as well for Carolina. So those, those are two of the kind of focal points so far this year for Carolina because Roy loves to play that fast-paced tempo, and everything is predicated on they are not handling it the best. Um, this is one of, according to Ken Pomeroy, this is one of the slowest teams that uh, Roy has had since he's been in Chapel Hill. And they, they have a high amount of turnovers, way too many turnovers through these first games. Really? So that's been a problem. Is that is that been a, a point guard problem, or just is that turnovers come from about everywhere? It's it's across the board, but really? particularly point guard. Um, you know, they've had they've combined for like seven and nine turnovers, I believe, in in the past uh, couple of games. Where and and a lot of it is unforced. I mean, yeah. as a team against Stanford, they had twenty four turnovers, which is the season high. And Stanford isn't a pressing team. Like yeah. a, a lot of that was just it was either carelessness or the kind of turnovers you make when you're not used to playing with somebody. Really? Thinking they want the ball, you know, on the wing and they're going back door <laughs> and you throw the ball already. That, right. th- those kind of little things. Um, so if Carolina can eliminate those because they're still one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the nation. Um, I think last I looked, they were like top five in Ken Palm offensive rebounding percentage. So if they can just get the ball up <laughs> and give themselves a chance to get a rebound in a basket, their offense will run a lot better than it's been so far. Yeah, John Calipari, we're, we are recording this on Thursday afternoon with, with Calipari this morning, and he pointed to North Carolina. I think yeah, he said they were out rebounding uh, opponents by like 18 a game or something like that. Um, who, who, who are the people to watch? Who, who should Kentucky fans be on the lookout for on Saturday on this North Carolina team? Well, I, I think it's all in the front court for Carolina. Garrison Brooks, who was the preseason player of the year in the ACC, uh, which it's one of those things where I don't think he's really the player of the year in the ACC, but because he had such a strong year last year, statistically speaking, and was the top guy returning mm-hmm. in the conference, you know, people just like voted for him, just kind of <laughs> out right. of habit. Yeah. But because uh, I, I still don't even look at him as a real scorer, as a real go-to guy, like he's going to get a bucket for you. But he's progressed a lot from his freshman year. He has a toughness about him. Um, he has the leadership skills, you know, as a senior on this team. So he'll, he'll be a go-to guy for them. Armando Baker is also, as as a forward, has also played strong for them uh, so far this year. Those will be the starting forwards. And then off the bench, Dayron Sharp, who was, who was a top 20-ish rated guy, uh, freshman, he brings a lot of energy. He also brings a lot of fouls, but <laughs> which if, they can, if they can keep him on the court, he, he's like – 
he's a machine on the offensive boards. So that, that'll be something for sure, you know, Kentucky will have to contain. And then seven-footer Walker Kessler, um, he's, he's still – he had – he was in the COVID quarantine, like, earlier before practice really kicked up, but he still missed a couple of weeks because of that. So he's being brought along a little slower. But the, that front court is, is the strength of the team uh, by far right now. Yeah, I've watched uh, Carolina in a, a couple of games. I've watched the Texas game and then the, the Iowa game. Uh, yeah, I was impressed with Sharp. Uh, as you said, he's a real active guy uh, around the basket. As you mentioned, I noticed that too. He seems to be uh, prone to uh, some silly fouls. But he looks like a guy who's got a lot of upside. Yes, yes. Roy, Roy is definitely big on him. The thing about him is I think it was assistant coach Steve Robinson was the first to see him. He wasn't really on the radar nationally at all when they first, you know, started to uh, to talk to him and to be interested in him. And then uh, you kind of whatever Steve Robinson initially saw in him, that started to pan out because he started to kind of trim himself down, get in a better condition, and his numbers start going up. And then a lot of other schools uh, tried to get in on him, but but you know, Carolina is our being first. They already kind of. Uh, locked it locked them in so uh that, that was somebody that um they they always saw a lot of potential uh for and he he fits right in in this in this four-wing system for for his forwards what, what about the backcourt sounds like Roy wants them to step up and play better uh who, who's got the most potential in the backcourt well if we said this we had this before the season had this talk, I would have said Caleb Love. But so far this year, he hasn't really shown the explosiveness, at least over the course of an entire game. You'll see him in spurts, and you'll, you know, he'll make an eye-popping move or pass or basket, and you'll be like, oh, okay, that's how it's supposed to be. But I think it's one of those things where his wheels are turning so fast right now, just trying to figure out if he's doing the right things, if he's in the right spot, is he running the offense right? And he's he's not playing instinctively yet. And so uh, top at some point for for him, or else Carolina might be in trouble. But uh, you know, he's he's kind of I don't know. I, I just feel like he's still figuring it out. I think R.J. Davis has made the transition a little bit better, um, aside from the turnovers. Uh, RJ is shooting the ball better than than uh, better than Love, and basically more consistently than everybody else. Uh, except he had an offer from the three point range against North Carolina Central their last time out on Saturday. But before that, he was shooting forty four percent from three, so he's he's solid. But that's something else for Carolina. Their their perimeter shooting as a whole is has been pretty bad. Um, Andrew Playtech comes off the bench. He's a senior. He's a you know he's a reliable guy. But if you're gonna have to depend on play tech to make three pointers for you might be in trouble, you know, over the course of the Okay. What uh see I'm assuming turnovers is is the big key for Carolina. Am I right in that or saying that or is on Saturday or is there something else that uh, Carolina has to do to beat Kentucky on Saturday? Away from home they haven't shot the ball well for whatever reason from the free throw line. And, you know, when they're in the Maui, um, <laughs> the Maui Invitational in Asheville, North Carolina, right. they, uh, that came into play when they lost to Texas. 
Um, I, I think they missed 14 free throws. I forgot the exact number, but, you know, they were horrible from the line. And, you know, that ended up being a, a Texas one on the last basket of the game. So um, that's that's something to keep an eye on, too, because they're going to get to the free throw line. That's the thing about their front court being so active on the boards. They tend to get fouled a lot and they get to the to the free throw line a lot. Yeah, well, it, as always, it's always a great matchup, even if the teams are not the best teams and not playing all that well. It's it's always fun when Kentucky and North Carolina play each other. I, I'm one of the ones who think they ought to play every year. So uh, I know that's hard to do in this day and age, especially Me with uh, <laughs> even when it's not COVID. But uh, anyway, so, so I'm kind of glad for the last-minute switch, even though coaches may not be crazy about it. Uh, but anyway, but see, I'll tell the listeners how they can follow your work since now you're at a great McClatchy paper, <laughs> like the Herald-Leader. Uh, tell them how they can follow your work leading up to the game and after the game. Well, you can always catch me at newsobserver.com or uh, follow me on Twitter at CL Brown Hoops. Well, CL, I really appreciate it. It's good to talk to you and uh, really appreciate you being on the podcast. Anytime. Appreciate you, John. Hey, thanks for CL for giving us that report on the heels. And we'll be right back with Jerry Tipton to talk about Kentucky. My guest now on the podcast is my colleague, friend, colleague, long time. Do you do you not like it when people call you long time UK basketball writer Jerry Tipton? I've been called worse. Okay, so okay. Well, that's good. Okay, well, we'll stick with that. Long time uh, UK basketball writer Jerry Tipton, cats and heels on Saturday. First of all, how you doing, Jerry? Good. You know, a little scrambled because you know, as you know, everything is uh, yeah, tentative. And they're so, supposed to play UCLA. Did you have a like a, a bunch of stories already ready to go about UCLA? And then they said, sorry, Jerry, it's, you but you've wasted your time because they're playing North Carolina. No, I, but I had been sort of wanting to look through like Blue Ribbon Yearbook and other places about UCLA. And I, I had put it off and I was going to do it, I guess, yesterday and uh, – last night and then the word came that 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 was changed and they were going to play North Carolina so I was happy about that why why did they change I'm not buying this protocol thing why did they change I'm not absolutely sure but I think it had something to do with uh, COVID protocols and uh, the UCLA coach had a uh, uh, teleconference today and I tuned into that and he said the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have the same set. Uh, of, uh. So UCLA and Ohio State, you know, there would, I guess, be a greater level of comfort there. And I don't know about the SEC and ACC, but perhaps that's true there, too. I don't know. I think but, that's I, I do think that's true. I think they're using that same technology thing where they for contact tracing that whatever right. i think can the i pronounce the name of it but i think they are doing the same so i think that there might be some truth today you're talking about mick cronin ucla coach mick cronin right so right that today right. Yeah. right okay okay uh kentucky is off to a one in four start the last time kentucky was one in four was 1984 85 joe b halls last year you were on the beat then what, what do you remember from that year do you remember well, that start I- you know, I, I remember the Kansas game when I talked to Kenny Walker and he said they when they beat Kansas and Louisville and that was the game that sort of turned it around for them. 
I, you know, if you had asked me, did they, what was their record after five games, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. But I do remember them beating Kansas. John Calipari was an assistant coach at Kansas, by the way. Oh, and okay. and, uh, and I remember uh, Kenny Walker, it was clear that he was the man. That game established that, you know, they were going to rise and fall on how Kenny Walker did. And I asked Kenny Walker about that. He remembered it, of course. And he, he said that the, one of the one of the keys was that Roger Harden was the point guard, and Roger Harden was like Kenny's caddy. Right. He really got the ball to him, and obviously that's helpful. And, uh, and the other thing I remember is they finished 16 and 12 in the regular season, and they uh, the Selection Sunday thing was at Channel 27 in Lexington. And the media was invited. So I went and Joe B was there and he was giddy when they got a bid. You could tell he was, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. He was giddy as a word to describe it. He was so happy. And then they went on a little run right? and won two games and went to the uh, sweet 16. So it turned out, you know, a happy ending. And then Joe retired right after the and game. So, yeah, to Kaywood, the post game press conference, uh, post game radio interview. Yeah, yeah. When we all huddled around him. Yeah, because uh, it was it was pretty controversial that Kentucky got in with a sixteen and twelve record, right? And then they sort of right. they sort of uh, atoned for that. I don't know if atoned or what confirmed that they deserved to be in it by winning by making it to Sweet. They lost to San John's, right? Correct. And the other thing I remember is that. Uh, Florida did not get in and Florida beat Kentucky two out of three times. So Norm Sloan was not happy. And while Joe B was giddy, uh, Norm was furious. He was storming Norman. The polar opposite of giddy is that was Norm Sloan. And he said something to the effect of, uh, he knew that Cliff Hagen would be strutting his stuff. (laughs) Cliff, over this. Cliff could strut his stuff. He still can. We well, strut, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Okay. Well, let's let's uh, flip forward, to, fast forward to this year. Uh, as we mentioned, Kentucky off to this one and four start. Uh, lost to Notre Dame. Terrible for last time out. Terrible first half. Much better second half. To me, the big thing out of the Notre Dame, or one of the big things out of the Notre Dame game, is Cal said he likes Terrence Clark at the point guard, and he we are we are taping this uh, Thursday night, and he reiterated that today. Uh, what do you think about that with Terrence Clark at the point? Well, the first thought I had was that I remember uh, when Quade Green uh, a couple of three years ago was the point guard the first few games. And then he's John uh, Calipari switched to Shea Gilgis Alexander. And I wondered about that because Quade Green was, in my eyes, kind of the uh, traditional point guard, kind of the guy that uh, would uh, move the ball around. He sort of, they were a little more organized, I thought, with him. Shea was just more athletic. Mm-hmm. And it, and it uh, obviously uh, it worked out. Right. They, they played better. And I think that. The two key things, Shea was a better defender, and Shea uh, also got in the lane and forced the defense to react to him, and then he would either lob or for a dunk or pass to an open guy uh, for a shot, and I think that's what John Calipari sees in Terrence Clark, somebody that can get in the lane, force the defense to react, 
and then they take it from there. So, I mean, he's a freshman. He, you know, he had four turnovers. Uh, pretty much all of them were unnecessary. Right. And because uh, I, I watched the replay. Uh, but he gets in the lane and he plays it the way I think John Calipari thinks is advantageous. And today, Cal, uh, well, he didn't hint. He said that he liked he liked the idea of having Terrence uh Devin Askew, who's been the starter at point, was the starter at point up until the last game, and then Davion Mintz, the grad transfer, who was the starter at point last game. That I took it that he kind of talked like he wants to play all three of them together. Does that mean he's going to start all three, or we're just going to have to wait and see? Well, I, we'll have to wait and see, but I wouldn't be surprised. Really? Too big, and Terrence Clark is, you know, especially defensively, he can switch off if there's some wing that's going off or something. Right. They don't have. To be at a height disadvantage there they can move him terrence doesn't necessarily have to guard the other team's point guard so yeah that's what we'll see i don't know but i'm expecting something like that uh you know we'll see right but right so you would start uh so what is where does that leave brandon boston do you start are your two big guys sar and uh, olivier sar and isaiah jackson or do you start brandon boston as well yeah that's a good question, and we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I don't know is yeah. the short answer, of course, <laughs> but I would I would go. I think they will go with Brandon Boston. I'm just guessing. Yeah, as a better score, uh, but then adjust as ne- as you know necessary. As the game goes on. Yeah. Of course, the game uh, the game uh, John Calipari, as you know, he really emphasized rebounding today, and uh, he kind of exaggerated it a little bit. But North Carolina has a plus 15.5 rebound margin. And so, you know, so rebounding, you know, no matter how well you play defense, if if the other team gets the offensive rebound, that's not good. So uh, (laughs) we'll see. Right, yeah. I think John said they had an 18 per game average. So, yeah, Yeah. John likes – he inflates the numbers from time to time. But it's still impressive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's top 10 nationally. Of course, it's early. Right. But still – I mean, and they've played good teams, Texas, Iowa, Stanford. Right. So, you know, they haven't just loaded up on uh, in the in the buy games, as John Calipari calls it. Right. Well, I talked to C.L. Brown of uh, uh, the Raleigh News and Observer uh, for this podcast, and C.L. was saying that one of North Carolina's problems to this point is a lot of turnovers, which has been Kentucky's problem. And North Carolina, of course, is young in the backcourt, just as Kentucky is young in the backcourt. What about that matchup of those two teams as far as those go? Yeah, both teams have a negative uh, assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, North Carolina's is 75 assists, 99 turnovers. Really? And yes, I, I looked that up. And uh, Kentucky is similar. I mean, it, uh, I can give you the numbers if you want them. But okay. they are, let's see, 61 assists, 84 turnovers. Really? So similar. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see. They played, North Carolina's played one more game. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's obviously, you know, as John Calipari said more than once, and it's it's pretty obvious, if you commit 20 turnovers, the chances of winning are not good. Yeah. And uh, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, what else about this team? Anything else did you take out of the Notre Dame game going into this game? Well, obviously, it was as it, it's such a good thing, the second half. Uh-huh. It gives it gives them a belief 
and uh, one in four, uh, you know, is obviously not good. And uh, so we'll see. But I think that they have something to build on. Yeah. Now, the problem, obviously, is that they're playing a ranked team. Uh, and, uh, you know, North Carolina's, you know, capable, oh, yeah. obviously. So right. we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't get easy. Right. Uh, there is no easy, as far as I can tell. Yeah. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, a competitive game most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, because we got just one more uh, non-conference game after this one, Louisville, on the twenty. Yeah, Louisville on the twenty-sixth, and they head right into uh, right into SEC play. What about Olivier Saar? I know he missed the last shot against Notre Dame, uh, and it was a makeable shot, but it wasn't an easy shot by any means. Uh, but I thought he played well in that game, and I thought we yeah. saw more of what uh, we think Olivier Saar can be. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think they're going to play. Uh, I think they're going to play through him. It's kind of the uh, classic uh, basketball style of going to the low post, and then things kind of evolve from there. And he seems to welcome that. And it, uh, it I was just thinking that at Wake Forest, that was one of the big things uh, about his development there, that it took two or three years for him to blossom. And they had, he was an, you know, he, he had played international basketball. The big guy faces the basket much more. And they had to teach him how to be a low post, you know, center of attention, so to speak. Right. And uh, he looks comfortable doing, he, le- he looked comfortable doing it against Notre Dame. And I think, I think we're going to see that more and more. Yeah, no, I, no, I agree. Jerry, you've covered a lot of Kentucky, North Carolina games or any one or two that in particular that stick out or there are just too many to mention. Well, there, you know, there've been a lot of good ones, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, I looked this up today and did a note on it that uh, uh, North Carolina is the only team uh, in this galaxy that's beaten Kentucky <laughs> 10 or more times and has a winning record against Kentucky. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, of course, the first game that immediately comes to mind is Luke May making the shot. Yeah. Regional to beat final. In the lead eight. Right. Right. And I, another game I think about, uh, uh, is uh, the game where uh, Anthony Davis blocked the last second shot, a shot right. similar to the one Nassar took right. against Notre Dame and, and to preserve Kentucky's victory. Right. So, you know, it should be a really good game, obviously. And should, oh, well, another one that comes to mind is uh, Malik Monk uh, going for 47 yeah. in Vegas. You know, so, yeah, it should be, you know, you, yeah. you would hope for a lot of basketball drama. Yeah, that was the game I was going to mention because I didn't see that game. I watched it on TV. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Jerry and I were flying. We were flying out of Cincinnati. It was inside baseball. We were flying out of Cincinnati. There was a problem w- with the uh, plane and fuel or stuff, so they had to kick people off the plane. Jerry got kicked off the plane before we got on the plane, by the way. And then uh, you went an alternate route. You made it there. I kept with the original flight. We I got snowed in in Denver. We couldn't get out. I couldn't get out of the Denver airport. Spent the night in the denver airport never made it to las vegas watched the game on tv at a courtyard uh next to the denver airport so uh that's my memory of that game and of course what did monk score he scored like 47 or something in that game? 47 yeah yeah i think i don't know but it's you know obviously what it's the highest point total i think in cal's time as coach and uh he made a three late where uh 
they won like 103 to 100, something like that. Yeah. And uh, he made a three late right in, from right in front of the Kentucky bench. And Cal, you know how Cal is about drive, drive, drive. Right. He wanted him to drive, but Monk was feeling it <laughs> and took the three and made it. And, of course, you know, Cal was left with good shot. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. Good. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. And Cal, he, Cal acknowledged this. Yeah. After the game, yeah, in the post-game press conference. One more question before I let you go. Cal said today the question came up about why they took the bus to Atlanta for the Georgia Tech game. Cal said he thought the bus ride was a four-hour bus ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you? I guess I I believe that. I guess when you get on a plane or whatever in a bus, you don't really pay attention, you know, to how far it is. But uh, <laughs> I yeah, mean, well, my. I just immediately thought he's never driven to Atlanta. Yeah, somebody, yeah, yeah, probably so. That's probably true. He said, I'm one of those guys who doesn't know the price of milk, although he says, I do grow to Kroger. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, he said for effect, I guess, the price of milk thing. But that's the way I took it, that uh, he doesn't have to, you know, drive. Right. That flies uh, everywhere. He is driving. He probably has somebody driving for him. Right, right. He's doing something else. Right. So, but yeah, but I would have think you know, and you know, yeah. I've flown to Atlanta many times. I've also driven to yeah. Atlanta or ridden right. to Atlanta. So okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, the thing I wondered about, and I asked uh, Devin ask you about it afterwards, was that bus ride back. Yeah. After they lose to Georgia Tech, and it wasn't a you know, it wasn't an encouraging performance. Right. And then they, uh, you know, then you have to get on a bus for six hours. Right. That doesn't sound like fun, but he said they were tired. They all went to sleep. So, yeah. Yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I buy that. I could buy that. Long bus yeah. ride again. Right. So forth. Wait around for the game and then so forth. But anyway, uh, they're flying to Cleveland, as Cal said. No, no more bus trips, I don't guess, or at least maybe to Knoxville and Nashville, but no more, uh, no more long bus trips. So, uh, uh, should be an exciting game. It's, it's always a good. I think it's always a good matchup with Kentucky and North Carolina play. So hopefully, we'll have another uh, game we'll be talking about uh, years down the road. Uh, be sure and follow all of Jerry's coverage. Follow him on Twitter at Jerry Tipton. All his coverage on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Arrow Leader. And as always, thanks for being on the podcast jerry yeah thanks for having me john okay that'll do it for this edition of the john clay podcast my thanks to cl brown of the raleigh news and observer be sure and check out his work as he covers north carolina athletics and north carolina basketball and my thanks of course to my colleague jerry tipton at the arrow leader check out jerry as well on kentucky.com we'll have plenty of coverage leading up to the game on saturday uh look for jerry's stories uh, look for Mark's story, has his matchups and prediction. Look for that on Kentucky.com. We've also had stories from Ben Roberts this week on UK recruiting and on the UK basketball team. Check out Ben's Next Cats recruiting page as well. We'll have a live updates uh, blog going on, uh, Twitter feed going on uh, on Kentucky.com. You can check that to keep up with what's going on during the game. And, of course, I have my takeaways after the game as well as all of our coverage uh, from the game on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Herald Leader. I want to thank everybody who supports our work at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Remember, you can get a sports pass, which is a sports-only digital subscription to Kentucky.com. All of our sports stories, all our U.K. sports, U.K. recruiting high schools, $30 for the first year. 
Go to Kentucky.com, hit that subscribe button, check out all of our subscription offers uh, to Kentucky.com. I want to thank everybody who listens to the podcast. I want to thank everybody who gives us a rating and a review on the podcast. That really helps get the word out. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcast. pretty much any place you can find the podcast, you can find the John Clay Podcast. And like I said, we really appreciate everybody who's been listening and supporting to the podcast. We have plenty more to come. Uh, Believe me, as we wrap up here on 2020 and head into 2021. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll be talking to you again soon.